What a blessing to sing that just now. Uh, a wonderful Savior indeed. I was uh, thinking about what uh, one verse would sum up that hymn. And uh, I was thinking of that portion we read. I believe it's in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. <laughs> Salvation is of the Lord. Not one time did our sister in Christ pen anything about her doing anything. It was all salvation of the Lord. She wasn't even writing there about she was hiding her soul in the cleft of the rock. She penned there, He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. What a wonderful Savior. I pray that uh, as you listen to the message this morning, that uh, will be brought to your heart and mind afresh will be that glorious message from the very throne of God. The angel came to Joseph, that young man. He's all anxious. His uh, promised uh, fiance is uh, found uh, pregnant with child and he hadn't consummated the marriage. And in that moment of, of just crisis for a young man like that, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, be not afraid to take Mary for your wife, for what's conceived in her is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you shall call his name Jesus, Joshua, Savior. How come? For he shall save his people from their sins. May that cheer you this morning and comfort you. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come into this world to try and save. He was sent of his father in the covenant of grace. In fact, the father gave him commandment to go into, come into this world, this wicked world, and save his people. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that. And I pray again this morning, you would all be comforted at knowing that salvation is of the Lord, that he's the author and finisher of our faith, that he's the alpha and omega of our salvation. Isn't it a wonderful Wonderful gospel, beloved. We were talking about this this morning. You know, we say it's the good news. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I almost wanted to say that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't do it justice, does it? <laughs> it's great news. On the cross of Calvary, our Lord and God bled and died, and he cried out when he gave up the ghost. He said, it is finished. And in Revelation, because we're so prone to be so thick-headed, the, the dumb sheep and lambs that we are, he tells us afresh in Revelation 21, verse 6, it is done. May that gospel comfort our hearts again this morning. Afresh. You know, I don't know about you, but I often, very many times, feel dead, cold, dry. How can we feel that way, beloved? Well, because we carry around this body of death everywhere we go, this cadaver. But rejoice, beloved, you could not believe him if it were uh, left to yourself. It's all by his grace that we believe on his well-pleasing son. Now, if you would, once again, please open your Bibles to the book of the Psalms. We're going to be looking at Psalm 139. And we read there in Psalm 139, verse 6, 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. That is the knowledge of knowing the true and living God. It's just too wonderful for me. And David went on to say, It is high, and I cannot attain unto it. My friend, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is high doctrine. And beloved, we know that because it's the doctrine and the gospel of God. And and certain it is, beloved, the gospel of God is high, true, and holy. And David says, I cannot attain to that level. I trust here this morning, as the Lord's gathered you here into this auditorium, that it's your ardent desire to have a saving, right knowledge of God. But here's the thing of it. Unless he reveals it unto us, we'll never know the true and living God. And what a great, great privilege, an undeserved one at that, that the Lord should give unto us to know something of his glorious, holy character. His character is awesome, is it not? Thank God he's not left us in the dark about these things, for he's revealed himself through the word by the power and revelation of his Holy Spirit. Just think of it, beloved. Through his word, the word we have right here in our hands, he describes who he is, and he said, I am the first and I am the last. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And not only do we have the written word, beloved, but so too God the Holy Spirit is sent to reveal the things of Christ, the incarnate word. You see, this, the sent spirit of truth takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. And when Paul described the, the, the elect of God, he said, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not to you unto you in the word only, but also in power, and in the revelation of God the Holy Spirit, in much assurance. He's made known to us his glorious person, beloved, and he's given us the saving knowledge of the true and living God. Now, this psalm, Psalm 139, certain it is, tells us much about the glorious character of our God and Savior. And here we set, see, set forth at least uh, three main attributes of God. In this portion of Psalm 103, or 139, excuse me, we see here set forth at least three main attributes of God. We see his omniscience, and his omniscience is his infinite, intimate, complete, and perfect knowledge of all things. You see, God knows all things. And we read a few weeks ago in our study in Acts chapter 15, verse 18, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. That's uh, Acts 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And so know this. From the beginning, God knows all things, for he's omniscient. Secondly, God is omnipresent. That is, the Lord our God is everywhere present. If I ascend to heaven, he's there. If I live upon this earth, he's there. And when we take our body and it's put in the grave, the Lord's still there with us. What a blessed, blessed promise. He tells us, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Amazing, is it not? No wonder he's able to raise us from the dead because he ever knows where we are because he's everywhere present, just as we read in the book, or just, just as we read, rather, in the book of Proverbs, 
It says this in Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And so he's everywhere present. That is, he's omnipresent. And then we also see here in our portion how that God is omnipotent. Well, God's all-powerful. So just what does uh, omnipotent mean? Well, let me put it another way. It means that he is God, and beside him there is no other. And we see his unlimited sovereign power and authority over all, over everywhere and everyone and everything. I mean, there's none higher than God, and he has the supreme right to do as he will with whom he will, when he will, and that, beloved, for his own glory. My friend, if he ever sends me to hell, he'd be doing what's right. Because that's what I deserve. That's what we all deserve. That's why we need a Savior. And if he saves me by his grace, he'd be doing what's right just the same. Because that's what pleases God to do. I don't have this reference in my notes, but I love that portion in the first epistle of John there where it says how it is. It says there in verse 9, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, it's remarkable what it said here. It does not say he is loving and merciful to forgive us our sins. It says something rather different. It's speaking about the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's speaking about the blood and righteousness of Christ here in this portion. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The writer, John the Evangelist, continues there in his first epistle. And he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, indeed, when we sin, beloved, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Look what it says in Psalm 135, verse 5, just a page over. It says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and the seas and all deep places. That's a good verse to look up if you want to tell somebody what omnipotent means. Psalm 135, verse 5. You see, whatever the Lord pleases, that's what he does. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? And yes, beloved, he does. For he worketh all things of the, after the counsel of his own perfect will. Now, it's important for us to know the God who knows us. In fact, our Lord prayed, this is eternal life. See, it's, it's vitally important that we know the God who knows us. This is John 17, verse 3. Many of you are familiar with these words. Our Lord prayed, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I want to know him who knows me, don't you? You see, nothing needs to be added to God. For he saves us and gives us the knowledge of himself. 
There's nothing more disgraceful, nothing more dishonoring to God than for His creature or His creation to deny Him. I mean, to deny the true and living God? To deny the true character of the Creator, God Almighty? Well, that just shows and reveals our wicked heart of unbelief, does it not? Our Lord said this very plainly and very clearly. If ye believe not that I am, you're going to die in your sins. If you die in your sins, you cannot come where I am. And yet this is the very thing we see happening in our day, do we not? I mean, even in most religious circles, we see an outright denial of the true character of God. And they preach up the will of man and make salvation dependent upon the creature rather than upon the creator, rather than on God Almighty. You see, they deny the true and living God. And Paul describes them in Romans chapter 1 as those who change the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is God blessed forever. And overall, remember Romans chapter 3? Paul reminds us what God's word says in, in another place in Scripture. He, he emphasizes there in Romans chapter 3, it is written. Paul speaking with the absolute authority of God. And it, all of Scripture is God-breathed, the New and the Old Testament. And in Romans chapter 3, you'll turn there with me. All 66 books are inerrant and perfect from Genesis to Revelation. And Paul reminds us what God's Word says, what we are by nature. He says in John chapter 3, verse 10, As it is written, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. And we see all the lawlessness and anarchy and, and all the shooting that's going on in our cities and communities. And why is that? Well, it's because there's no fear of God before their eyes. You see, they don't fear the police because they don't fear God. It's sad, but that's the reality of our depraved flesh. And eternal life is described as knowing the true and living God. Remember John 17, our great high priest prayed there in the beginning portion of John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. And as thou hast given him power over all flesh, verse 2, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. But to trust the God of our imagination? Well, that's to trust in a mere idol that couldn't save a flea, much less a sinner. You see, I need the God who is Almighty God to save this wretched sinner behind the pulpit. We read in Isaiah 45, verse 20, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations, 
They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. And then we read in verse 21, A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Now in Psalm 139, our portion this morning, from verse 1 down through to verse 6, we learn something of this vital truth of the omniscience of the Lord. We read in Psalm 44, verse 20, If we have forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. You see, my friend, God knows everything. You're not going to pull a fast one on him, because he knows everything. And because he's omniscient, everything is open and naked before him. Now, again, the Psalm 139, let's look again at verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. The Lord Jehovah, the eternal, everlasting, self-sustaining, almighty God, thou, O Lord, hast searched me and you, O Lord, know me. Verse 2. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and thou art intimately acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Apart from a divine revelation. Apart from a divine revelation, I cannot see, I cannot understand, I cannot attain unto it. You see, the Lord has knowledge of all men. He knows their frame. He knows that we're, be, that we're but dust. He knows their name. All men everywhere. All men that's ever been or ever shall be. But remember, this is speaking here about an intimate knowledge and love that God only has toward his elect. You see, the grace of God is only toward his elect. You see, there's no such thing as general or common grace. Uh, there's this idea in religion that there's such a thing as general or common grace to all men. But here's the thing of it. His grace is exclusive to and only for his elect. Those whom the Lord has known from all eternity, his people. And he's loved them with an everlasting love. And in due time, beloved, in due time, when it pleases him, not according to our cal calendar, but according to his calendar, in our time state, at that appointed time of love, he crosses our path with the gospel and he reveals himself unto us. Our Lord declares, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father... For so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. I don't know what leapt to your heart just now, me reading that to you, but I'll tell you what just leapt to my heart. Um, Lord, uh, make me your babe. <laughs> what a comfort when the Spirit of God sends in power that witness to our spirit that we truly are his children. 
The Lord is our good shepherd, beloved, our great shepherd. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. You see, he's intimately acquainted with his people. The good shepherd seeks out his sheep and he finds them, saves them and makes them new creatures in Christ. And then he takes them home to glory. Young Timothy, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote, young Timothy, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows his people. He knows them. So how well, exactly how well does he know us? He knows us completely, beloved, completely. Look again at verse 2. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. You know when I am down, and you know when I am up. Thou understandest every one of my thoughts are far off. Before I think them, he knows them. You see, beloved, he knows us completely and fully and better than we know ourselves. Every movement, every step of the way. Remember Psalm 37? The steps of a good man, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And every movement, every thought, and every imagination, he knows them afar off. We read in Hebrews 4, All things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And Peter said to the Lord, when the Lord asked him, he asked him three times, do you remember? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. And the third time the Lord asked him, and Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Every moment, beloved, every thought, every action, every motive, every deed, every way, the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord knows our words of what we say to him and of him and of others. Nothing, my friend, nothing whatsoever is done in secret before God, for he knows our every thought, motive, word, deed, and motivation. He knows us through and through. Look again at verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind me. Thou hast beset me behind and before. Psalm 139, verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. And the Lord our God not only holds us, beloved, but he surrounds us. He encircles us. He hems us in and protects us. Remember Job chapter 1, when the Lord was having that conversation with Satan about Job. And Satan said, well, you know, I, I can't touch your servant Job because you've hedged him about. You've encircled him. And I can't touch him because the hand of the Lord was upon him. And beloved, in great mercy, he lays his mighty hand of grace upon us to redeem us, to save us, and to call us, and to make us his very own. Indeed, the Lord laid down his life for the sheep. Remember John chapter 10? He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. I love them, and I've given to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And then he said, no man can pluck them out of, out of my hand. No one, nothing can pluck them out of his hand, beloved. Just read the last part of Romans chapter 8. Notice uh, verse 10. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Thou hast set me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. 
And so, beloved, remember, none can stay his hand. None can stay his hand. I mean, is anyone saying to him, Lord God Almighty, what doest thou? So you see, no one can pluck us out of his hand, and we're called the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And he lays his hand upon us to rule us, to lead us, to uphold us, to protect us, to teach us, and to restore us. What a mighty, mighty hand we're in, beloved. <laughs> beloved, we're in his hand. He's not in our hand. We're in his hand, and thank God for that. Again, verse 6. That knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's just so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Indeed, he's so wonderful, is he not? And we call him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And oh, such knowledge is just too wonderful for me. Too wonderful for me. God's infinite knowledge of us is most wonderful and glorious, is it not? To ponder, to think upon it, I cannot comprehend it. I cannot fully understand it. It's high. It's high. Now, I believe it by faith. I know it by faith, but it's just too high for us to understand even just a little bit of it, apart from God teaching us and giving us faith to believe in grace and mercy. And yet, by God-given faith, beloved, we know it's true. And it's only at the throne of the Most High God the sovereign, eternal God, that any sinner will truly worship. It's only at the throne of God where he said, come boldly unto a throne of grace. And the only place a sinner will truly worship is at the throne of the Almighty God. Anything less than that is just just a, a false God in your own hands. And my friend, a God that's in your own hands, a God that you can manipulate, a God that you can tell what to do, You'll never worship that God. But the God who is God, the God who is independent and sovereign in all things, the God with whom we have to do, that's the place where we fall down on our face and worship. The Apostle writes in Romans chapter 11, many of you are familiar with this portion. He writes there, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. You see, it's high, unsearchable knowledge to know the true and living God. He's high, lifted up, and the knowledge of him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood is, is, is so wonderful, beloved. Now notice, uh, David moves on to the next point, having just spoken of God's omniscience, setting forth how that God knows all things about us. And then the second thing that David mentions, verse 7 through to verse 13, here we learn something of God's omnipresence, of how that God is everywhere present. All the time, our God is everywhere present, beloved. You see, there's no hiding from him. Verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence, O Lord? You see, the spirit of the Lord's everywhere. He said, even where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Even now, beloved, the Lord's in the midst of his people, right here in New Caney. 
What mercy, what grace. And so, Lord, whither I shall go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I'm sent up into heaven, it will be by the grace of God. It will be by the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that I'm accepted of the Father. And if I ascend up into heaven, it will be because the Lord Jesus Christ put our sin away. And to be absent from the body, beloved, is to be present with the Lord. If I ascend up into heaven, guess who's there? Beloved, our forerunner, our champion, the captain of our salvation is already seated there at the right hand of the Father. Christ Jesus the Lord has for us entered in and sat down. And beloved, we're sat down in him, united to him, already glorified. And if I ascend up into heaven, it will be by his grace, by his will, and by his purpose. And here's uh, the comforting thought, beloved. He's already there. And if I make my bed in the grave, and this is where this tabernacle of clay is going to molder into dust, he's already there in the grave. Unless we're privileged to live when the Lord comes back, if the Lord tarries, uh, we'll go to the grave to molder into dust and our spirit will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But if we're privileged to live when the Lord comes back, then there'll be some standing here when the Lord comes back. But in a moment, and in the twinkling of of an eye, the scripture says, we've got to be changed. Because in this state that we're in, because this flesh and bone, this corruptible, can't inherit in corruption. 1 Corinthians 15. If I ascend up to heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ ever lives to intercede for us, beloved. And thank God he does. And so if I make my bed in the grave, and that's where this body of death is going, to molder into dust. But here's uh, what else is going to happen. When this body goes there, you know who else is there? The Lord's there. No, no, no wonder on that resurrection morning, it's going to be an easy feat, an easy thing for our Lord to quicken us and to raise us from the grave because the Lord is there with us. Even with our remains, our dust in the body in the grave or in the oceans or wherever they might be, even if they're cremated, the Lord knows where we are always. Verse 9, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. You see, he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd leads us into the green pastures of his word, to the water of life in his right hand. There shall he hold me. His hand will lead us. His hand, beloved, will hold us. And my friend, this is the God with whom we have to do. There's no hiding from the Lord. Some will pray in that day of judgment for the rocks and the mountain to hide us. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb and they won't be hidden. You see, this is the God with whom we have to do, and all things are naked and open before Him. There's no escaping His judgment, His presence, or His decrees. But for us who believed, this is comfort to the believer, that the Lord is always and ever with us. I love that promise at the end of Matthew, don't you? Lo, I am with you always. What a comfort. What a promise. Now, In this body of death, we don't always experience that presence. But beloved, know this. He's never left us one time. Not not ever. He will not leave us or forsake us. He is with us always. And so too, beloved, remember, the Lord ascended. 
the, resur- the resurrected Lord before his ascension, he said to his disciples, you go and preach the gospel, knowing that how that I have all power in heaven and earth. And then he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Just think of it, beloved. All those men that he said that to, in essence, were all martyrs for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, he was there with them when they were slaughtered. They say Peter was crucified upside down and the Lord was with him. They say James was beheaded and beloved, the Lord was there, was with him when that happened. Verse 11. says there in beginning verse 10, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Verse 11, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. And, and here's, here's the point. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. For He not only knows you, He's everywhere you go. He's the true, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, living God. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Now the darkness and the light are not alike to us, but to him, beloved, everything is naked and open before him. Verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, my real inner being, of who I really am. My soul and spirit, you you possess my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You see, he he possessed us, beloved, and he bought us with his own blood. We read in First Corinthians chapter six, "You are bought with a price, beloved. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's." The Lord possesses us. He owns us. He chose us. He bought us with his blood. And he's going to have us, beloved, even before we knew him. He knew us. And Lord, you covered me in my mother's womb. And Paul writes in Galatians, When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And the Lord said of Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, Jeremiah, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And with his blood, he's covered me. Indeed, he purposed to cover me from before I was, bo- I was born. He purposed to cover me with his robe of righteousness and the garments of his salvation. You see, beloved, he's covered us with Christ. You see, we were conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. I was a sinner from the moment I was conceived. Because my mom was a sinner, my dad was a sinner, and because sinners can only produce sinners. Dogs produce dogs, cats produce cats, cows produce cows, and sinners produce sinners. Nevertheless, amazingly, the Lord has covered us in the righteousness of Christ. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember what the apostle said? By the grace of God, I am what I am. So you see, beloved, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Indeed, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Verse 15. 
My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, not even complete, before I was fully formed with all my fingers and toes, yet in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Before we were fully formed, before we were born, we have been written in the book of life. When did he do that? Beloved, our names were written in the book of life from all eternity. Because God chose us from the beginning. You see, he's always had his eye upon us. He always did see us. Because he knows all things, for he's the one who's ordained, predestinated, and decreed all things from all eternity. Verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How precious. His thoughts, the decrees of God, that salvation is entirely and completely of the Lord, is, it's, it's precious to me. It's precious to you, you and me who believe. Indeed, to you who believe, he is precious. He is precious to those who believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, how precious are also thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. He is altogether lovely, is he not? How great is the sum of God's decrees and thoughts towards his covenant people. He says, how great is the sum of them. Verse 18. If I, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Indeed, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David writes in Psalm 17. Now, the last part of this psalm, verse 19 down to, through to verse 24, or rather, just, just before the conclusion, down to verse 22, we see how God has blessed his people with an intimate knowledge of them, of how he saves them and holds them and compasses them about and blesses and redeems them and does everything for them. And then we see a change from speaking of the redeemed to the reprobate. Verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. So is that fair? Is that right for God to have mercy on some and leave others to justly perish in their sin? Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. You see, no man deserves mercy, for the wages of sin is death. And my friend, that's what we all deserve. I mean, if we got exactly what we deserve, if I got exactly what I deserve, if you got exactly what you deserve, we'd be in this group right here that's set forth as the wicked. And it says here, surely that would slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. It says here, that will slay the wicked. That will slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Those whose foot will slide in due time. And we read that reference in Deuteronomy 32, 31, and 35. Verse 20. For they speak against thee wickedly, O Lord. The day of their calamity is at hand, for thine enemies take thy name in vain. There's a day of judgment, 
a day of reckoning coming for those who rebel against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Verse 21. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? David says, I hate them that hate thee, O Lord. And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them, he says. Verse 22. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. You see, beloved, we shouldn't be allied with those who are enemies of God. We shouldn't be friends with those who deny the gospel of, of God. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And the true and living God most certainly does. Try me, Lord. And he will. Remember, trials, beloved, don't produce faith. Trials and troubles, they, they do not produce faith. But they do reveal faith. Try me, Lord. Try me. You see, beloved, trials are sent from the Lord. And he knows my thoughts and sees if there be any wicked way in me. David's praying, in effect, Lord, root it out. If there's wickedness that I don't know of in my heart, just, just root it out, Lord. And Lord, if there is, expose me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me to the way of truth. Lead me in the way of everlasting life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if I'm not in his way, if I'm not in the way, the truth, and the life, make me to know it. Make me to know it. Because... Well, let me show you the because. This is why David is crying out here, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know, and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Our brother David knows just as plainly and clearly as our brother Paul. And you, beloved, we know this plainly because we have been given grace to hear our Lord speak on this matter. I'm about to read to you one of the most offensive things that can be uttered commonly in the world. For you, beloved, it's precious. <laughs> you love his words, but this wicked world, they hate his, wor his words with a passion. You know, very often we, we, we don't think and ponder and take time to think about our Lord's precious words. I'm so thankful that I hear his voice. I love his voice, and I love what I'm about to read to you because it's true. Uh, our Lord says in another place in John, he says very plainly, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. How come? Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha and Omega of our salvation. And our Lord tells us, he condescends to speak to us and record this in, in his word so that we could read it this morning. In John chapter 14 and verse, I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 1 and, and we'll conclude. These are the words of our Lord and God, beloved. This is what our Lord speaks to our heart, even now. 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.